You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hey there, Sheep Spotters. Welcome to episode 43 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from Sheepspot.com, where we offer diverse hand-dyed wools and the information and support you need to make those wools into beautiful yarns. So my darling, we are wrapping up our series on spinning for socks. In the first episode, we covered the decisions you need to make before you start spinning. Decisions about things like fiber choice, drafting method, yarn structure, stuff like that. In the second episode, I told you about opposing ply yarns. I can't really talk today. Also, I've printed out my notes. Um, They're so tiny that I can barely see them. Um, I'm really getting old. All right. Uh, Opposing ply yarns, a structure I have been experimenting with lately. And in the third episode, last week's episode, I recommended a resource to help you spin finer singles. And that was Beth Smith's video, Spin Thin. So today I want to talk about plying for socks and in particular about two things. So we've established that um, when you are making socks, you want at least three plies, possibly a four ply cable. But I usually go with a straight three-ply, nothing fancy. So there are a couple things that we need to talk about in terms of making a three-ply yarn and about more specifically about plying for socks. And the specific plying for socks question has to do with twist and how much twist. Lots and lots of people will tell you that you should over twist a bit in the ply for a sock yarn. And I'm going to talk about uh, how you how you do that, how you make sure that you have the ply twist where you want it. And then I'm also gonna, just going to talk in a general way about the difference between making a three-ply yarn and making a two-ply yarn. So my hope is that if you usually make balanced yarns where your ply twist and your singles twist basically kind of even out, um, or cancel each other out is really what I mean. Um, And so if you usually make balanced yarns or you usually spin two-ply yarns, I hope that this episode will be useful. So first, let's talk about ply twist. So I like to add a little bit of extra ply twist, like many spinners. Um, But the question of what exactly one means by a little bit of extra is complicated. Um, So let's talk first about how I determine how much ply twist I want in a regular old balanced yarn. I am not as uh, I think I've shared frequently on the show. um, I'm not much of a measurer. I am not usually getting out protractors to figure out my twist angle. I very rarely count twists per inch. So I kind of go by feel. 
If you are a measuring person, then boo, you do you. But I really like to give people the tools to kind of learn how to do without those things um, and how to develop a feel for the yarns that you like that you can take with you into any spinning situation. So I'm going to describe how I figure out ply twist, which I do just with a really simple ply back test um, and my eyes and my hands. So um, I usually let my singles rest overnight before I ply. And my method of figuring out ply twist assumes that I'm using singles that have gotten a little bit of rest. So this is important because once the singles have rested overnight, some of the singles twist sort of goes to sleep. It be, The singles become a little more, a little less twisty, a little more relaxed, and that's, they're going to be more and more relaxed the longer they sit on the bobbin. So when you ply them, you're going to have an active ply twist that's fresh and a not so active singles twist. And that can kind of lead you astray because once you get the yarn wet and you wake up the singles twist, it's going to change your yarn a bit. Uh, and it's going to change it in a way that is going to affect your ply twist. So you have to kind of factor that in as I have here. Um, so if you are a person who eagerly plies your singles as soon as you spin them, your mileage is going to vary a bit. And as always, sampling is your friend. So here's what I do. I ply a little bit and then I do a ply back test. So I let the yarn go all the way onto the bobbin because it continues to accumulate twists until it's all the way on the bobbin. And, uh, then I pull some off the bobbin and I let it ply back on itself. And I know I have about the right of right amount of twist when the plied yarn plies back on itself kind of softly or gently. And the key word here is gently. If it doesn't ply back on itself at all, it will absolutely be underplied after you wash it and wake up that singles twist. If it snaps back onto itself really tightly, it's likely to be overplied after washing. So I look for that gentle ply back. And once I've got the ply twist where I want it, I then figure out by counting treadles um, how many treadles it will take me to get to that twist. So I kind of do it backwards. I find the twist first and then I count the treadles that are going to get me to that twist. You could do it in the opposite order if you so desired. Um, and then once I've got my treadle count, I will continue to count treadles until I establish a rhythm. And anytime I feel like I've lost track of my plying rhythm, I'll just do another quick plyback test to see what I've been doing. Um, and then I'll start counting again for a little while. There's some situations in which I count the whole way through, like if I'm watching something complicated on television or if I'm listening to music and it has a really different tempo than 
my plying, um, I'll just count. So I make sure I know where I am. So when I make a sock yarn, I will follow the exact same procedure. So I'll, I'll ply a little bit. I'll let it uh, go onto the bobbin. I'll pull it off the bobbin and I'll do a plyback test. And what I want for a sock yarn is for that plyback test to be a little tighter, a little snappier than for a balanced yarn. And I can't really tell you exactly um, how much extra ply twist you're going to want. It's going to depend to some extent on your fiber. And it's also going to just depend on what your sort of natural predilections are with respect to twist. I mean, I think twist is really personal. Some people love yarns that I think are really underplied. Some people, um, you know, really want their yarns to be very hard wearing. And to me, they look a little bit overplied. Um, in a sock yarn, I want it to be a little bit overplied. But my main point here is that it really is a personal thing. And you're going to have to sort of experiment to find it. And here again, samples, dude, samples. Um, the other thing to be thinking about as you're thinking about questions of twist in general is that making yarn always requires that we make trade-offs between durability on one hand and softness on the other. So more twist means a more hard-wearing yarn, one that's going to stand up to more abuse without pilling or breaking or any of those bad things that we don't want. But it also means a yarn that is going to have a coarser hand. It's just the way it works. So only you can decide kind of what that sweet spot is for your fiber and your also your feet, right? Because you're just to go back to the first conversation about spinning for socks, we want yarns that we're going to really experience as delightful to wear. So those are my thoughts on ply twist. If you haven't spun um, many yarns that use three or more plies, and you're concerned about uh, managing that many plies or uh, managing that many strands while you're plying, or if you've actually tried to make a three ply and you found it difficult, I have some tips that I hope will give you a bit more confidence with respect to your three ply yarns. And making a three ply yarn is not that more much more difficult than making a two ply yarn, provided that your kind of fundamentals in plying are good. So if you're managing your singles uh, in a good way, um, if you're not managing your singles well, you may run into trouble when you add that extra ply. So let's talk about how to get the best results. So the first thing you need to do when you're plying is you need to set up your lazy Kate. I use one that keeps my bobbins at a 45 degree angle away from me. And that usually gives me all the tension that I need. If your Kate has a string for tensioning, experiment with uh, setting up your Kate with the string more or less tight to see what you like the best. You don't want the bobbins to backspin. 
when you pull, because that can lead to tangles and other problems. But you also don't want to have to yank at the singles. You don't want to be, you know, really pulling hard off the lazy Kate. So you kind of want them to be flowing through your fingers um, in a way that feels comfortable and controlled. Um, when you're figuring out how tight to make that tensioning string, if you're using one, you also have to consider how heavy the bobbins are and how full they are. Um, because that's going to affect how likely they are to backspin and thus it's going to affect how much tension you need. So once you've got your singles all on your Kate and you have them all coming off the bobbins in the same direction, um, this will keep them separate from each other. Then you're ready to start. I w- just want to say one thing, um, though, before we talk about the actual hand positions for applying, um, this came up in my breed school group recently with someone who, who was using a Lendrum Kate. And the Lendrum Kate, um, there's one by Ashford that works this way. Um, there's one by Nancy's Knit Knacks that works this way. They have a little loop, um, a little metal loop, and that's sort of positioned in such a way as to suggest that you should put all your singles, all your three different plies coming through that loop uh, on your way, on your way, on their way to your hand. I don't like that. I don't want my singles getting together, getting down and getting together before I tell them that it's okay to do that. So I... I want my singles coming right off the Kate and through my fingers, not going through any ancillary loopage. Um, So if you have a Kate that's set up that way, experiment with it. You may really like it. And that's of course fine. Um, But try it with and without using that loop. Um, Particularly if you're working with quite twisty, fresh singles, I just think it's going to cause more problems than it's going to solve. So, um, so once you've got your, your Kate arranged and your bobbins, uh, arranged so that the singles are all coming off in the same direction, um, then what I do next is I attach my singles to my leader and I do that just by tying a knot. Um, and then with the fingers of my fiber supply hand, so my back hand, I um, arrange the plies so that each one of the plies is coming through, coming between two of my fingers. So I've got my hand with my fingers pointed down and the singles are coming up through my my fingers. So I've got um, one ply coming up between my index and middle finger, one between my middle finger and my ring finger, and then one between my ring finger and my pinky. And what that lets you do is um, keep really good control. You can kind of tension each ply individually and keep really good control over them. And you can also feel if something's sneaking through like a little um, pigtail, a little bit of your singles that's already plied back on itself, 
You don't want that to get into your final plied yarn. And this allows you to feel it and know exactly where it is. Um, so once I've got my hand set up with my, um, with the singles coming up through my fingers, then I just put that hand on my hip and I leave it there. Um, and then with my front fingers pointing up this time, remember my back fingers are pointing down with my front fingers pointing up, I arrange the individual plies the same way. So I've got one through my, um, pinky and my ring finger, one through my ring finger and my middle finger, and then one through my middle finger and my index finger. And again, that allows me to tension each of the singles individually so that I can make sure that all of the singles are meeting the plying twist at the same time. And I can make sure that I, if I have a pigtail coming up, um, and I felt that with my backhand, I can just pull my hands apart a little bit or pull against my backhand to stretch that little bit of yarn out and then let the twist come in to the ply. Um, and I, um, at that point, right, I'm, you know, happily plying away. Uh, and that's assuming, of course, that there are no cats assisting me. If there are cats assisting me, then all bets are off. And um, both Theo and Miles really like to help me ply. They're completely fascinated by it. And um, I don't recommend it as a way as a way to go. So if you find any aspect of plying challenging, except the cat thing, these suggestions I'm going to give to you are not going to help with the cat problem. Um, but there are a couple of resources that I want to tell you about that I have found really, really helpful. So the first is a video by Judith McKenzie called The Gentle Art of Plying. And she made that video with Interweave. It's available on the Interweave website, either as a DVD or as a video download. And I will put a link to the video download in the show notes. And then the other is Jillian Moreno's Craftsy class, which is called Ply to Knit, Spin the Yarn You Really Want. Uh, both of them are really, really good. Um, I'll put a link to Jillian's class in the show notes as well. These are affiliate links. So if you use them, I'll get a little kickback from Interweaver Craftsy. But of course, your price doesn't change. Speaking of show notes... You can find the notes for this episode at sheepspot.com slash podcast slash episode 43. So that's it for me this week, guys. One last thing before I go, I want to invite you to join the Sheepspot mailing list. Every week, I send out a little short newsletter with links to both the new episode and a transcript of the episode. Uh, sub subscribers also automatically get a download link for any freebies that are associated with that episode. And also my subscribers are the first to hear about any big product announcements, where I'll be vending, classes I'm teaching, and all other Sheepspot happenings. Uh, I even offer the occasional coupon code for free shipping or other discounts. And you can sign up at sheepspot.com slash subscribe. 
sheepspot.com slash subscribe. So have a wonderful week, my darling. Go spin something.